You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. Then someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you wish to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving for he had many possessions. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. They say you shouldn't talk about religion, politics, or money. But we're a family, and when you're at home, you should be able to talk about anything, right? Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about politics. I have no desire to talk about that. But I am going to talk about religion and money today. There was a young man. He was rich. He was probably in his 20s, early 20s, and he was already set in his ways. He was Jewish, and he followed the law. He knew what it is to love your neighbor, and we get a sense that he gives to the poor and to the widow and to the orphans. Yet he knows there's something more. And so he asked Jesus, what do I need to do? And Jesus tells him to sell all of his possessions and give all of his money to the poor. And that's where we get a little bit nervous, and so did he. But before you get too worried that this is a message, the message of the scripture, to sell everything that you have and give the money to the poor, let me rest rest you assured that that's not the case. Jesus is not saying you can't have money and be a disciple. In fact, all throughout Scripture, we see stories of people who use their gifts to bless the world. Look at Joseph of Arimathea, who gave his tomb for Jesus' body. Lydia, who created purple cloth and sold it to support Paul's ministry. Or Cornelius, who was generous to the poor and sought out Peter to talk about faith. It's not really a question about money. It's a question about priorities. This man wanted to know what he needed to do in order to have eternal life, to follow Christ, and Jesus told him. 
He needed to let go of the hold that money had on him. No, because with that, with that hold it had, there was no room for God. And so he was told to give it away. Because at that point in the man's life, Jesus knew that money was the most important thing for him. And so he couldn't truly follow Christ because there wasn't room for Jesus in his heart. We've been talking about generosity now for a few weeks. And at the heart of generosity, we know, is the desire to give back to God in gratitude. Now, there are lots of ways that we do this. Some of us have been taught tithing, and that's something that we do. We give 10% of our income uh, back to God to use to spread the news, the good news of Jesus. For others, um, the idea of a tithe doesn't really work. Giving 10% is a struggle. We have lots of demands and can't do a tithe, and that's okay. There were, have been times in um, our lives where Mike and I uh, couldn't do a full tithe, and so we only tithed on my salary. 10% is a lot, and if it's not in your means, that's okay. But I want to encourage you to um, use that chart that Sandy talked about and look at your income and your budget and what percentage you can give to the church. And decide that percentage, and that's what you give, and that's how you give back to God. But before we dismiss tithing too quickly, I want to tell you another story. Uh, from 2002 to 2010, I served as the pastor of Grace United Methodist Church in Britain, Michigan. How many of you know where that is? Britain, Michigan. Okay, a few. That's great. Well, okay, how many of you not in the first service? Nowhere. <laughs> So if you go down, go south on 23 and you come to Cabela's, the Cabela's exit, you uh, take that exit, turn right, go west 10 miles, don't blink, and you'll see Britain. <clears throat> it's a small town, it's a farming community, and I'll be honest, uh, this suburban girl never ever imagined myself serving in a farming community. But... There I was for eight years, and then over those eight years, you can imagine that I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about farming and about crops and which crop goes, grows when and when you plant and when you don't and when it's a uh, bad season and all of that kind of stuff. And one of the things I learned very early on as we were planning for our generosity challenge um, and I said, well, why don't we have a harvest theme and we could have a logo that has wheat on it? Because that's nice and pretty, right? Oh, oh no. It was the fall. We could not have a wheat theme, a wheat logo, because wheat is a spring crop. So we had to have pumpkins. Anyway, you get the idea. And one of the things that I learned also while I was there was about grain elevators. Now, these are towers that um, they contain a bucket elevator. And they scoop up the grain and they move it to the silo, which st stores the grain. The grain uh, elevator operator buys the grain from the farmers for cash. Now, while I was in Britain, I came across this story. There was a church... They were struggling financially. 
The treasurer resigned because there was never enough income to cover expenses, and another member, the grain elevator operator, volunteered to take the position. But there was one stipulation. For one year, the church would require no report from him. The board was puzzled, but they knew he was an honest man, and they were feeling a little desperate, so they said, okay. And at the end of the year, the treasurer came to give his report, and he gave a glowing report. The, tr um, the church's indebtedness on the building was paid in full. The staff salaries were raised by 10%. They had no outstanding bills, and they ended the year with a $15,000 surplus. How do they do this? The treasurer explained, most of you bring your grain to my elevator. When I paid you, I simply withheld 10% on your behalf and gave it to the church in your name. And you never missed it. Oh, I wish it was that easy. We have no grain elevator, but we do have electronic giving. It's kind of the same. You know, it makes our life easier. It ensures when you schedule that regular payment, that regular offering, it ensures that you're able to do that, right? You don't have to forget. I mean, I am a little busy on Sunday mornings, and sometimes I would forget. And so when that little church in Britain said, we're going to start having electronic giving, I signed right up because not only did it mean that I didn't forget to give my offering, it meant that our offering came out first and that that was a priority, and our budget reflected what was important to us. And so I encourage you, if you're not already giving electronically, uh, to consider that way, because it helps you um, in that space. And sometimes the struggle, struggle is real. It's hard to trust that we will really cover all of our bases. It's not easy to let go of the pull of the false security that money provides. That's when we're called to trust God because that's really what generosity is all about, taking the step to give what God calls you to give, trusting that God will provide and make it possible. I love the stories that Bob Goff tells, and he tells about his friend Lex. Lex lost his eyesight when he was eight years old, and in high school, he, Lex began to compete in track and field events. By the time he got to college, he figured he could run like the wind, and he went out for the track team. Now, I know what you're thinking, how can a blind man run track? Lex has a friend. His friend runs in front of Lex and calls his name. Lex just runs toward a voice that he knows he can trust. Now, Lex's event was the long jump, where you run as fast as you can down a three-foot wide track, and from a position of more than 100 feet away, the last step, you launch into the air as high as you can from a wooden board in the track and land as far away as you can in a sand pit. Sounds impossible for a blind man, right? Well, not for Lex. His voice, his friend's voice, was a voice he could trust. And so when it was Lex's turn to compete, his friend would square Lex's shoulders um, and, and square it to the sand pit at the end of the track. 
And then he'd go to the edge of the pit and start yelling, fly, 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 over and over. And Lex runs toward his friend's voice as fast as he can, and he jumps into the air as far as he's able. He made the Paralympic team, and he jumps farther than most Olympics, Olympians. How can he do this? Trust. He trusts his friend. Generosity is about trust. Trusting God when we pray, God, how are you calling me to give? Listening for God's voice to guide us and empower us in our giving, trusting that God will tell us when to fly. It's about trusting God, the source of all of our gifts. But when we put our trust in God, God delivers. And we are called to trust in God in all aspects of our life, not just generosity. But when we're facing surgery, or when our spouse dies, or when we send our kids off to college, or to live in another state, or we take a new job, or we enter retirement, when we're scared and we're hopeful and we're determined, we put our trust in God. As I said from the beginning, generosity is a part of our spiritual life. It's about your relationship with God. It's between you and God. And so I encourage you to put your trust in God as you pray the prayer. God, how are you calling me to give? Giving generously is a blessing. Um, Sandra Peterman in her her, uh, video last week said how much it made her feel good to give. It feels good. It feels good to see how our gifts make a difference. It feels good to have our finances reflect our priorities. And it helps us to rely on God and trust God, rely on God more than money. When we do it, we actually find that things really do work out. Now, whether or not you're able to tithe or you want to give a percent and set that as your goal, May this be a helpful reminder about the relationship with God that you are striving for. Giving is a way that we show God we are living our faith, that we want a genuine relationship. I have one more story for you. Cliff Christopher talks about how God wants your tithe and your heart. He was uh, visiting with a man who is a little in their church's Big Brothers and Big Sisters program. The mother lived in another city. This boy's mother lived in another city not too far away, but he didn't see her very often. She was very faithful, however, in sending uh, child support. She bought him great gifts at Christmas and at his birthday, but she rarely showed a desire uh, to be with him. As Cliff spoke with him, he could see the hurt in the eyes on this little boy's face. Even when he goes to see his mom in the summer, his mom is very busy and he um, is sent off to spend time with his cousin to play with. It was great to get the money, but more than anything, the boy wanted the love. Not too long after that, Cliff was talking with a woman who was very angry at her ex-husband. He would call and talk a lot with the, ch- with the child. He would want to come and be with the child. He would, um, you know, just look for all kinds of opportunity to spend time with him, but he never paid child support. He didn't help with school supplies or pay to play. 
And the woman said, he thinks withholding the money is just hurting me and not his son, but it's hurting his son. I can't buy him all the things that he needs for school or even to get dressed properly. The attention is nice, but it's hollow without something behind it for groceries and all. Following Jesus means giving our heart and our treasure, showing how much we love God and how much we trust God. The rich young ruler could do the work of caring for others, studying the word, but he couldn't fully love Jesus until he let go of what was keeping him from fully following. And we just have one more week of home together um, of our generosity challenge, and then I won't talk about money quite as much. <laughs> as I said from the beginning, it's a spiritual practice, generosity. It's about your relationship with God and your giving is between you and God. Not between you and me, it's between you and God. And so, please, pray that prayer. Ask God, how are you calling me to give? Use the tools that we've sent out, and as you receive this card in the mail this week, I hope you will continue to offer that prayer. And as you pray that prayer, I pray for you to feel God's blessings surrounding you. And may your trust in God be a source of strength and inspiration, for you are an important and essential part of this church. God has placed you here so that you would experience what it is to be home together, so that you would grow in your faith, so that you would know you are a beloved child of God. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.